0: Inside Speedway is brought to you by P1 Australia and by Speedway Classics Magazine on sale now. From the dirt tracks across Australia, welcome to Inside Speedway with Dennis Newman and Craig Rebel.
1: Well, a new Australian speed car champion is, well, has been crowned, Dennis Newland. And we've got him on the show just before he headed back to the United States. Carson Macedo, one of our two special guests. Yes,
2: we've done well for our show tonight, Craig. I'm looking forward to um, talking to Carson Macedo. Absolutely a brilliant season. I mean, he also took out the Australian Speed Car Grand Prix earlier in the season. So he, he, he is just going so well with the Dyson motorsports team. And so uh, that'll be uh, a good interview with Carson. Um, and he's uh, heading back to America, of course. Um, well, he's back there now. And uh, a big season coming up with the World of Outlaws as well. Yeah, the, um, But a, a great effort
1: all around, yeah. The, Terrific win. The reports were that he was in such a strong position, he had everything going for him but Alex Bright would close in on him looked like he was there to you know make a challenge and the yellow would come out and he'd have to start again so Alex Bright won a lot of fans from the public and the people watching there by his performance Yes, this is quite a unique
2: thing with the American 1-2 finish Craig because we go back to 2016 and uh, Rico Abreu won the Australian Speed Car Championship from uh, Brady Bacon. So, so it's a repeat of history, if you like, um, and and a great effort all around. But there's no doubt about Carson Rossito. He, he's absolutely in sensational form. And, and you've got to give a great credit here to to Dyson uh, Motorsport, uh, Sean Dyson, the, the cars are superb sprint car and midget that uh, they've had ready for Carson. And um, I think It's the old story, Craig, a a, a very good talent, uh, driving very, very good machinery, and that is always almost an unbeatable combination.
1: Yep, that is right. And uh, Caleb Curry coming home in the third position, and we'll hear more from Carson Macedo later in the show. The sprint cars, they were over at Bunbury, and it was James McFadden, the man we're going to have on next weekend, who won the Quickie Boys Shootout. And uh, that was a fantastic win for uh, Looch and all the team at Monty Motorsport. Uh, Great racing there in Bunbury. So the car's on its way back and James McFadden has got uh, about five more shows in Australia before he rejoins the Casey Kane Racing Team for the World of Outlaws.
2: He's, uh, he's had a, a, a very good season, the, the latter part of the season, particularly, Craig. Um, not only is his success in, in the Quickie Boys, but also, of course, World Series Sprint Cars and uh, a five time now World Series Sprint Cars. So his Western swing has been very, very successful.
1: Yeah, it has been. And uh, every time that car runs in its home state, it does a, a great job. It's always a, a real strong podium chance. Again,
2: yeah, yeah again, we're, we're talking about a, a you know a, a very talented driver with a very good team, and Luke Monty and the Monty Motorsport team are to be congratulated as well. They always been our first class of equipment, competitive equipment. It, it's got the best of everything for team, and um, it, it, it's full marks for them for
1: for giving um, James Mc the car to get the job done. Yep. Kerry Madsen finished in second position with Jason Kendrick in third. Brooke Tatnell in fourth. And fifth was Caden Manders. So a very competitive field for that Cricky Brothers shootout.
2: Now, of course, last weekend at Valvoline Raceway, uh, the sprint cars returned to the programming. And actually, it's been uh, quite a while since we saw sprint car racing at um, Valvoline Raceway in Sydney. And uh, Matt Dumsney, absolutely brilliant, uh, took out a great main event, a tremendous drive. Uh, Robbie Farr was second, but one of the drives of the race belonged to third place get Jordan Brazier. Uh, Jordan was fast all night, but uh, in the main event, he, he dropped back as far as fifth, a distant fifth, I might add, but uh, came on strong in the last eight laps. And uh, ultimately got onto the podium, so it, it was a great effort all round. And um, another driver I want to give a rap to is Matt Smith, who made a return to racing and uh, took out the A main in the in the late models. Uh, a, a tremendous drive by Matt, and of course Matt is a former winner of the uh, Australian Speedcar Grand Prix, as we know. And uh, in the lightning sprints, um, AJ McTaggart scored another great career win at Valvoline Raceway, and uh, he just keeps uh, winning in that category. He's very competitive. So a good night all round and, and some very, very impressive racing, I must say, and a reasonable crowd in the house as well. Mm. So uh, I might just add to, i just mentioning the word house. I know I'm probably getting a little bit ahead of myself here, but um, um, the race meeting at Castrol Edge-Lismore Speedway on March 14 um, is going to be pretty significant because it will be the running of the East Coast uh, production sedan or the, the production sedan East Coast Grand National, to give it its correct title. And the grand marshal for the night will be none other than a man from down your part of the world, Craig, um, David House. Okay. Now, this Grand National race was first run in 1975. And, uh, of course, in those days, uh, it was Grand National sedans as such. But um, a pretty significant move. Only finalised yesterday by promoter at Lismore Speedway, David Landis, and through the LAC, the Lismore Automobile Club, to have David House invited to the circuit as the Grand Marshal. Uh, so that, that'll be tremendous for uh, the sedan followers up in that Northern Rivers area. As I said, I know I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but it is a news item. It's only been finalised yesterday.
1: Yep, and that is great news, David. Uh, well, he, <laughs> when I started racing speed cars, David uh, was giving me some advice. And what David said, he said, is, anyone ever bumps you? You've just got to remember Jim Rockford. And I'm going, Jim Rockford? What do you mean? He goes, you just take their name and number and get back to them. Yes. <laughs> and David
2: House, of course, won a major speed car event uh, back in the days of uh, pavement at uh, Liverpool City Raceway, if my memory is. Uh, My memory is 100-lapper. Yes, it mm. was 100-lapper, you're right. And and it was for the Burko team, uh, the famous Burgo team out of Canberra. And um, David, of course, the former Australian sedan champion, uh, a tremendous competitor, uh, one of the best in sedan racing, no question of that.
1: Mm. Well, we will talk about what's coming up this weekend after we hear from our two guests. And we mentioned Carson Macedo, but the uh, our other guest on the show this week is Darren Trelaw. And there's a man with uh, a huge pedigree in the uh, world of the hospital chairs. As yeah, there's no doubt about that, Darren Trelaw. This man,
2: eleven Australian titles. Um, I mean state titles. I think he's won now twenty two New South Wales sidecar titles. Forty titles in all total, including including Oceana, uh the world uh the world championship for Sidecars, You name it, he's won it, Craig. Um, uh, a tremendous sidecar competitor, no question. I mean, if he was driving a sprint car, I dare say, uh, you know, uh he would long be in the Australian or Speedway Australia Hall of Fame. Uh uh, probably the sidecars don't get as much publicity as they deserve, but a man who has given them great kudos over the years as their all-time
0: greatest is Darren Trelaw.
1: Mm. So, Carson Macedo and uh, Darren Treloar coming up still on Inside Speedway.
0: Inside Speedway is available on sportsradio.com.au, iTunes, Spotify... And the dirt track channel.com.
1: Well, he's done a few frequent flyer miles over the last month or so, but to add to the trophy collection, he's now the Australian Speedcar Champion. Carson Macedo, congratulations, a fantastic effort, and uh, well, what a night at Premier Speedway in Warrnambool.
3: Yeah, thank you very much. It was pretty cool for our team. Uh, Sean Dyson and Jeff Frog, and Johnny all did a really, really good job. It's a team effort really proud of what we were able to accomplish this past week you know sean very new into midget racing and you know working on the car not only you know as the owner but uh, you know basically the mechanic the whole time as well you know so he kind of wears all the hats and be able to come out on top and and win them races is uh pretty cool We're, we're pretty excited to to
2: have the success that we've had. Carson, driving for Sean uh, Dyson and the Dyson Motorsport team, it must give you a, a really confident feeling going into an event as important as the Australian Speed Tower or Midget Championship, knowing that you're driving and racing for a team that I I would honestly believe is the equivalent of some of the American teams uh, that you race for back home. Yeah,
3: Sean, definitely if, if it white why He don't cut any corners, so their their equipment is you know as good if not better than um, any any midget team you know their sprint car team as well I mean all their racing all their racing equipment is equivalent if not better than anything in the U S so it makes it you know way easier to be confident in your equipment your team and just the effort that he puts forward you know not only at the racetrack being the mechanic on the car or but also as an owner behind the scenes you know buying the right things. Doing the you know making the right decisions on what to buy and and getting the the best gear possible out there just makes it so much easier to be successful and do your job well. So um, very thankful, very thankful to him to have him and be able to drive you know his race cars. I think uh, I think you know Sean Dyson and Felicity, you know, arguably probably the best team right now in Australia, you know, equipment wise and and um, just really good quality race team and and all the gear is just really up to date and and nice. So um, I'm very thankful for that. It's not every day that you get to travel around the the world and and race for such great people and just be part of a such a
2: good deal. I think that's a very accurate uh, and praiseworthy comment, Carson. How did you initially, when and where, and how did you link up with the team?
3: Yeah, so... um, 2013, I think, um, would have been basically um, my second year in a sprint car. Sean actually came over to the U.S. and was, you know, filling a container to come back to to Australia and basically be the dealer for KPC Chassis over here. And, you know, just by chance, I ended up going to the races. I had a race the night before. I ended up going to the races the next night to um, just be a, a fan and to, kinda of scraped mud on my buddy DJ Netto's car and just happened to walk by Sean and, you know, strike up a conversation and start talking to him and, you know, right away, you know, noticed he was Australian and I had a little bit of a connection because my crew chief at Charlton Racing, Paul Baines, is Australian. And um, so anyway we started talking and we just ended up, you know, hitting it off, hanging out the whole night and um, he actually gave me his cell phone number and I would call him, you know, if I would get any ride offers. I didn't know any of the equipment over here. I had no idea Know what was good, what wasn't, and I would call Sean and just talk to him about you know if I did get an offer, if it was good equipment or not. And I ended up coming over in 2015 to drive for Peter and Lindy Mitchell, and um, we ended up blowing up an engine the first night out um, in the feature race. And Sean actually lent us an engine to race for um, the remainder of the trip, which was you know, about ten races or so. So. Um, yeah, that ended up coming up a little short because I think race number eight, I ended up crashing the car, and unfortunately they just didn't have enough spares to keep going. So, um, Sean, I, I ended up going over and staying at Sean's place for a couple of weeks and kind of just hit it off right away. know, so We just had really similar personalities and have a lot of fun hanging out together and really just kind of started from there. I mean, I, I ended up running Sean's car for a couple of nights that year and he ended up with me in his race car full-time the next year and we've just become, you know, best buddies. And um, I don't think, you know, as long as he'll have me, I'll probably
2: never drive for anybody else in Australia, you know, except for him. Yeah, so you never change a winning combination, Carson. (laughs) Um, Look, uh, tell me a little bit about uh, the the national title. Uh, What were your expectations going into it? And, and uh second part of the pigeon, after the first night, uh, how are you feeling?
3: Um, you know, my expectations are, you know, I, I never go to the track to run second. I, mean, I always go there to win. So I expected to win. Um, not you know—not that it was going to be easy. I knew that there was very good competition there. I mean, you know, we had you know, Michael Pickens and Kane Brown and some of the best guys. You know, I mean, Michael's one of the best drivers in the world in a midget. So I knew it wasn't going to be easy, but I did expect, you know, to, to, to do our best and, then, you know, to, to win. So I, I feel like, uh, I feel like we all did our job as a team. You know, there's no I team. Our team, um, we have really good people on our team. I feel like we have really good chemistry in our team and everybody works really hard at the same, same common goal. So very fortunate, very lucky for that. Um, you know, with that means I feel like, the race went really well. The first night we were able to win our prelim night. I thought that our race car was really good and I knew that we had the speed to win the overall on, you know, on the final night. I just, we just was all about putting it together. You know, you position yourself in a spot where you start on that front row and it just makes it so much easier to get out front, lead some laps and, and get, get, get a little bit more comfy. So, um. You know, early in the race, I didn't think that I would get the jump on the start just because, in line mind, the team preferred the way the racetrack looked and the way that they had, you know, um, worked on the track. But luckily, I was able to get the start. and just kind of never really looked back. I uh, led all 40 laps and I were able to get the A one. So, just really happy for Sean and Plessy, uh, you know, first year of the car owner in the midget, midget deal, and they just, um, you know, won a straight title. So, it's pretty
2: Great effort. Interesting statistic, Carson, that comes out of uh, the Australian Speedcar Championship for this season. Uh, Alex Bright, your fellow countryman, finished second for a 1-2 by American drivers, which is a repeat of the 2016-17 season when the title was held at the Archerfield Speedway in Brisbane. Rico Abreu and Brady Bacon. Rico Abreu through winning and Brady Bacon the runner-up spot. So, so the Americans uh, have dominated this title uh, in more recent history of Australian speed car racing. Really, it all kicked off in two thousand and two, two thousand and three season when Corey Cruzman won the Australian Championship at Speedway Sydney in Adelaide. So, there must be some degree here. You know, you've you've got a good team. You've you've won. You've won pretty well. The two biggest events in Australian speed car history, the Australian Speed Car Championship and the Australian Speed Car Grand Prix, a, 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 a tremendous accomplishment here, Carson.
3: Yeah, it's pretty cool, you know, you hear those names, I mean, those are really good drivers, Rico is definitely one of the best, and um, Brady's got a whole list.
2: names who have won the Australian Speed Car Championship. As I said, Corey Cruzman in the 2002-03 season, Tony Elliott the following season, Davey Ray, 2005-2006 season, Jerry Coons Jr., Davey Ray, Kevin Swindell is a former Australian Speed Car Champion. How proud are you to do this? Because, I mean, okay, you're on the other side of the world and when you get back to America, running the world of outlaws and running midgets, um, where does it fit in your career as career highlights? Uh, uh, I mean, such a tough question.
3: I feel like just because you know, primarily what I race is with sprint cars, so you know, like well, the outlaw races are really tough to win as well. Um, but as for as for my midget career, I mean, it's definitely. You know, I, I would say the Australian title the biggest race i've ever won in a midget you know i've won the pepsi nationals and i've won some big races but um yeah it's definitely up there at the top of the list and in, in the midget races for me um it's pretty cool like i said to just to hear all them names i mean kevin swindell's an incredible midget race. you know was an incredible midget racer and um Davey ray and a lot of these guys i've actually got you know the opportunity to race with so um it's just cool to be on that list you know with some other accomplished racers, and just to kind of add our name into the history books is uh, is pretty cool. Especially, like I said, just first year, you know, with Dice Motors <coughs> stepping into the midget game, uh, winning a straight title, is just kind of crazy. You know, what I mean, you just don't see that every day.
1: Now, uh, Carson, you obviously have uh, been racing across those divisions. What do you particularly like about racing a midget? Uh, over a sprint car and vice versa.
3: Um, you know, I I think the part of major racing that gets me the most excited is, you know, when you race wing sprint cars, there's a lot more to think about than just going out there and just, I guess, running your heart out. You know, when you're when you're running a wing sprint car, there's it's like you know, more like playing a chess game. You, especially when you get on some of these bigger racetracks, you just you got to play with air and you got to really drive the wing, and there's a lot more variables to think about. You can't follow somebody into the corner and. You know, fidget racing, just, I feel like raw racing. It's just, you go out there and you give it 110% and you search for grip at all times. I mean, you know, it doesn't really matter if you enter behind somebody as hard as you can because it doesn't really affect you other than that maybe they might dirty the racing back up a little bit. Um, but for the most part, fidget racing is just all about going out there and giving it 110% and driving it as hard as you possibly can, finding the grip. You know, being in the right part of the racetrack, and um, I think whoever's you know whoever's got the best car and does the best job, makes the least mistakes, wins the race. Usually, so I think I think it's just that's the exciting part about it. There's not you know there's just a lot less. I want to say there's a lot less thinking involved, but there's a lot more just you know pure heart driving as hard as you can to win races. I, I like that. I've always been a fan of that type of style.
1: And will you uh, be having a chat to your owner back in the States for when you're in the midget running Australia 1 over in the in the United States? Oh, man,
3: I'm not sure about that. I, I saw race for, like I said, the Tarleton family at home, and they just, their, their heart's pretty set on the number 21. They've been that for years and years and years, so... I couldn't see them putting anything different on their race car, but I mean, you, you never know. You know, I feel like um, supporting the A1 on the 99 car, I mean, that's really like, you, know, should, you know, I feel know, like that's the, like, the only like, car that should have it, considering the fact that
2: it's the one that actually won the race, you know. Carson, uh, this season, uh, heading into the American season, with your commitments with the world of outlaws, and no doubt, as you have said, you'll be probably running some mid-shows. Uh, how many race meetings this season, including like the Australian connection, in in the year twenty twenty, will you have run by the end of the year?
3: Uh, it's a it's a hard question to ask, really, because there's outs. Um, there's variances in my schedule too. I mean, um, you know, races get added and taken away depending on if I'm if if I'm able to do them or not. But you know, just I would say I would say I'll run a hundred plus. Um, easily run a 100 plus races for sure i mean the last you know five years of my career i've run over 100 races so um, i should be right back in that mark it just it's really hard to say you know we get into the midwest the united states and you know, it could rain at the drop of a hat so it just it, it just depends on how many rainouts we have and all that but if everything goes right and we don't have any rainouts I should be in the 110 120 range i'd say
2: that's a pretty busy big- Schedule. I mean, um, where do you see the, the big events? Uh, obviously, um, Eldor and, of course, the Knoxville Nationals um, and and uh, the Indiana Midget Speed Week, of course. Would you be looking at running in that?
3: No, I, I, it just doesn't work out in my schedule to where I can run any of them races. You know, the World of Outlaw schedule is just so busy that we just don't have gaps just don't have the gap on our schedule to be able to run them races. Unfortunately, I, I will run some midget races, but it won't be until the end of the year after my World of Outlaw season uh, finished up with. So it'll be – I'll race right at the beginning of November in Arizona for a couple of nights at Arizona Speedway. They're, they're all USAC national midget shows. Um, so I'll run them too. And then we'll go up to Placerville for the Hangtown 100 for a couple of nights the following weekend. And then the uh, the basically that finishes out the month of November is um, Bakersfield, and then Turkey Night down in Ventura. So, um, other than that, you know, my schedule just doesn't allow me to run enough budget races. Really, just being so busy with the World the Allah's.
1: Well, Carson, you're on your way back in the airport, I imagine, to get to Sydney. But when do you head back home?
3: I'm actually headed down to Melbourne Airport. Um, my international flight leaves tomorrow morning. So. Uh, I'll just stay near the airport tonight and head over in the morning and check in and get on the plane for the uh, long flight back
1: well it's been great to see you in the country and uh, we're certainly hoping we see you back in the new year and I'm sure Sean will have a big say in uh, having you back next season
3: yeah we'll see we'll we'll talk it out here and see if he'll have me back
1: I'm sure he will Carson.
3: I appreciate you guys having me on the show and um, it's always a pleasure to to, uh, do these things and really appreciate it. Hopefully uh, you guys have a good year and
0: we'll talk soon. Thanks very much to Carson Macedo. From the dirt tracks across Australia, Inside Speedway with Dennis Newman and Craig Revell. Well, it's great to have Caden Brown. Thanks for joining us here. Uh, Thank you very much. I'm glad
1: to be on the show with you guys. Max Frick, great way to start 2020. Picking up your second consecutive Australian Solo Championship. Yeah, it's been a great start to the year. Matt Pascoe.
0: Thanks for having me. Inside Speedway is available on sportsradio.com.au, iTunes, Spotify, and the Dirt track Channel.com. Well, if there's one man who
1: knows about racking up results, trophy cabinets, and titles, he joins us on the line now. And Darren law, congratulations. New South Wales Thank titles. You. Fantastic effort! Another one to go into what is a burgeoning trophy collection. When did you take up sidecar racing?
4: A long time ago, nineteen eighty-four. So I've been going for thirty odd years now. So a long time. So um, yeah, I've had a, a great career, and um, you know, like that was my twenty-second New South Wales title. So the results
1: speak for themselves. When I was when I was a little kid, being taken to the Royal. Of course, you guys would come on. Well, probably not yourself, but the sidecars and the and the solos would come on before the speed cars came on. And uh, I was always told that I'd never see a speed car race because I'd be asleep by then. But I was <laughs> fascinated by the hospital chairs. Always loved yeah. them. How the heck do you do it though?
4: Yeah, well, I was the same, mate. I was only a kid, but I was there getting, yeah, you know, pushed around strollers back then, and. Uh, growing up at the Sydney show, Showground watching my dad race and um, unfortunately it uh, closed down before I could get to race in that era. But then it reopened back later and had a couple of one-off meetings and I did get the pleasure to have a ride around there. And that's uh, you know, what everyone said the place was like it was, every, every bit of it. You know, It was just a, the atmosphere and uh, the speed and the narrowness of the track and it was just great to ride.
2: Darren, just tell me a little bit, um, here about your future plans. I know you, you announced some time back you were going to cut back on your racing. Does that necessarily mean, uh, just picking and choosing things going into the future or will you be contesting any more Australian tyres? Because you have got the record. You've got 11 and that, uh, that now is one better than Gary Rush and uh, Lee Adams. So what are your future plans? Uh, As you said, you've been doing this for a long time, Darren, uh, but you're still as competitive as ever. So do you see yourself while you enjoy the racing continuing on?
4: Yeah, well, that's the hardest thing, Dennis. Um, I have cut back this year. Normally I do 20 to 25 meetings a year. Um, This year I've only done two in Australia and three in New Zealand, and the season finishes in five weeks. So this is a real quiet season for me. Um, I still enjoy it. I don't like the traveling, I've sort of uh, had enough of that, and the, the nights in the shed, the preparation of uh, just washing and cleaning and preparing for the following week, and uh, that you know takes its toll, you you don't get a life, you're just in the shed, you, you go to work during the day, and then you knock off work, and you start working in the shed on your own motorbike till all hours at night, and then have dinner and go to bed and do it all again.
2: I know you come from a great family. um what do you put this incredible run of success down to, Darren? There's one thing you could you could name or nominate that's led to all of this. What has it been?
4: Oh, just dedication and preparation. Uh, they're two keys, you know. Without um, either of those, you don't get too far. You go, like I said, you got to spend hours in. The, a, lot of, a lot of races and meetings are one in the shed. You got to, go to have your gear. Hundred percent right and um, your team, your organisation and um yeah you got it yeah, also you got a good equipment and uh you know, you've got all that, you got a you got a reasonable chance of going okay.
2: Um, Darren, the point of all this is with so many titles and and particularly the eleven Australian titles, the the world titles, et cetera, et cetera, is there one particular championship that gives you the greatest satisfaction or stands out? They're all great. But is there one in particular?
4: Yeah, uh, my first one, Ben Darwin, his first Australian title, 1983, um, sorry, 1993. First one, I wrote for uh, nine years and I contested in probably eight Australian titles and I never thought I was going to win one and I was at the point where I'm saying this ain't me, I'm not going to do it and, you know, uh, I'm not going to crack it and I finally did in 93 and I um, was the best one
1: and, Ever
4: since then, i never looked back.
1: Having raced all over the world like you have, what was the biggest difference in what we do here in Australia and what you experienced overseas?
4: Uh, It's pretty similar. Obviously, the tracks are different wherever you go. Um, English tracks are a lot smaller and a lot slicker. New Zealand tracks, they're clay and big and different. But, you know, Australia's got a lot of different tracks too so you can always get one that's pretty similar you can sort of relate to that one one that you race back at home but um, the, the, the thing is you just go into a different country and uh, you know meeting the other riders and you know, having a look around and uh, we're, at the end of the day we're one big family don't we? Australia England New, New Zealand Germany wherever but um, in the sidecar family everyone puts everyone up helps everyone out their equipment or whatever you need doing and yeah, and that, that's the best thing about it. We all just help each other
1: out. To the casual observer, the biggest difference would be the flarings on the on the chair, but yep. over the years, but it's it's much more intricate than that. Can you can you talk about the developments of of the car, of the bikes over the time you've been involved?
4: Yeah, they've come a long way. When I first started, they were a road bike with a sidecar welded on the side of it. Uh, open wheels the chair wheel was uh, open um and like i said they were just a road bike with a chair weld on the side now they're a custom thought frame uh they're fully fiberglass kevlar aerodynamic. you know they, they, they've come so far in a long way it's, uh, back in the day when 83 when i started to now
2: Darren, you're a hands-on man because you're just talking about the development of sidecar racing. You have played a part in that. You develop your own chassis and you manufacture these uh, outfits.
4: Yeah, I do. I um, I, I built chassis there for a little while, but I don't do that anymore. I only built my own, uh, the ones I ride. But I do a lot of motors for uh, different competitors and obviously myself, and uh that side of it. But yeah, I've had a hands-on in uh, a lot of different areas and parts of speedway sidecars and put mine in but they're all custom built and every rider rides different and they're obviously different size weight and combination with their passengers and there's a few different ways you can ride them in different styles and what i what i run not necessarily suits other riders so you sort of got to build them to suit yourself and the way you ride in your style is uh a lot of people think, you know, they just buy my bike and you'll win. But it doesn't work like that. You know, you, like I said, everyone's got a different style and the ride, different. So you've got to set it up to suit yourself. And that's the key thing is the setup. And the bond and you and you've got to work with your passenger. Uh, he plays a big role in, the, in it too. There's two of you on the bike and two of you got to do the, do the job. So um, it's not, not, as, not as easy as just getting a good bike.
2: Now, speaking about passenger, and, of course, your dad, Gary, the late Gary Trelaw, was uh, was an Australian Pairs champion, a state champion. Uh, I remember seeing him score a great New South Wales title win on the infield track uh, at Liverpool City Raceway around about 1982. Now, when you started, you uh, were your career, Darren. If memory serves me correctly, was it one of your very earliest rides was a sidecar passenger for your dad, is that correct?
4: No, my Uncle Mark, my oh, dad's
2: brother Mark. I'll bank too. every now and then lets me
4: down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but I did swing for Dad too. I got the, uh, the honour and the privilege to speak, uh, swing for, for both of them before oh, I, that's
2: right. I, I, I actually started riding
4: dad. myself, yeah. Yes, I, I do did do a couple that. of meetings with Dad, and, uh, but my very first meeting, uh, I was underage at the time, I wasn't supposed to be swinging, but I swung for Paul at the late Paul Penfield. Mm-hmm. At um, Pioneer Park in uh, Townsville, mm-hmm. so uh, yeah, I, I, I jumped on a few uh, legends of the sport, that a graders, that before I started uh, riding myself and uh, got the experience and uh, got to know how it all works pretty quickly, and then decided to jump on the bars and do it myself.
2: Darren, because you've been around the sport for so long, your family's so deeply entrenched in the sport, you know the whole sport, back to front, inside out, a magnificent career in sidecars. Does does the attraction of going into the car categories ever uh, attract your interest that you may consider it later on in your speedway career? Or once you retire permanently from sidecar racing, will that be it?
4: No, I've never thought about going on the car side of things, but don't get me wrong, I wouldn't mind having a go on a car, um a sprint car, speed car, whatever. But um I think my son Jake, he's still in the junior sidecars now, he's fourteen, he's got two more years left in the juniors than he goes senior. And uh, he's pretty keen to uh race in the seniors, so I can see myself uh still being around in the sidecar uh fraternity and helping him out and and uh travelling around with him, putting 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 uh, my best support towards him and uh hopefully yeah. he can uh, go alright too.
2: Yeah, well the great news there, Darren, the the next generation of of the Lord uh great name in sidecar racing is continuing.
4: <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's um it'll be the third generation, so hopefully uh Jake can uh keep it going and hold the name proud.
2: Well done, Darren, again congratulations. Magnificent career,
1: thank you, Dennis. Appreciate you, it. You talked about who you swung for. Who was the best swinger you had on board? Oh, I've been very lucky
4: there. I've had—I've oh, probably had a half a dozen swingers, and every one of them has been good. I'd hate to single out one of them because they've all put in a hundred percent and uh, done the job that they had to do and commitment, and that's hard to get. And um, obviously, I uh, won my first Australian title with uh, Alan Griffiths, so that stands out because. Yeah, you know, that 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 was one of the best meetings and uh yeah, that's the me uh Australian title I'll never forget and I won it with him, so but you know, I'm not saying he's any better than any of the other passengers I had. Like I said, they all committed and they all done the job and they supported me hundred and ten percent and you know, that's to me that's uh, yeah, it's hard to get the people to commit. The passengers don't get nothing out of it. They don't get any money, they gotta put up their own time and commitment and, uh, you know, to have a, uh, someone that's solid and uh, there for you every time you want to go. I do a lot of travel. And I do a lot of meetings and, uh, you know, all the time away from your family and friends and every single one of
1: them is committed. Mm. Well, Darren, thanks for joining us here on Inside Speedway. It's been a pleasure to catch up with you.
4: Thank you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's great
2: to talk to you, Darren. Well done again. Congratulations on a magnificent career, and keep it going, Darren. No,
4: <laughs> yeah, i haven't finished yet. Like I said, I've cut back, but um, I haven't given it up, and I still great. like doing it. And uh, it's hard to walk away with something from something when you're still doing good at So yeah, yeah, hopefully
2: you can yeah. keep it up. Yeah, great news. Good on you, Darren.
1: Well, great to hear from both Carson Macedo and Darren Trelaw as we look ahead. A couple of major meetings in the rain in Sydney. Well, not only is it causing chaos for the Australian women's cricket team, but it is also potentially going to cause some chaos for our legend cars because the Australian Championship is to to be run at Valvoline Raceway on Saturday, March 7. And it'll be interesting to see if uh, the weather will let that go ahead.
2: Yes, uh, Craig, uh, you're right. Uh, the, the prediction is not all that good for Saturday, I must say. Um, so uh, keeping our fingers crossed uh, that uh, the weather forecasters did it horribly wrong. Um, because this Australian Legend Car Championship, um, talking to people from Legend Cars Australia yesterday, they are anticipating a very big lineup of cars. And look, they are very much a part of the scene. Um, they are very competitive little machines. Great, great replica of cars out of the forties and the fifties, hot rods and coupes. They're they're a real spectacle. And I know the man who is the driving force behind them, John Dennity, and he he reliably tells us that you know like the the legend cars have grown significantly in uh, in in numbers as far as what we'll see on Saturday night is a very impressive entry list. I, I mean, it the, the, the started off with one car that was brought in by Brett Morris in Sydney uh, back in around about 2009, 2010, I guess it would have been around that period of time. And then, of course, uh, that created uh, an influx of cars. Uh, it caught everybody's imagination, uh, They were relatively cheap to buy and, and build even here, some of the cars, but bring in from America, of course, and go racing. So, uh, very, very popular. Okay, they're not the headline grabbers like Sprint Cars, Fortune Sprint Cars, but uh, or, or Speed Cars, or late models, or Super Sedans. But um, yes, they are on another tier, level below, and we'll say that with respect. But um, this will be a very competitive title. Make no mistake, it will be very, very good. And also, Speed Cars on the program this coming. Saturday night as well, and um, that is, that is something that I think will uh, attract a lot of interest. As well, speed car racing at the Valvoline Raceway, and it's good to see Reed McKay. Um, he's uh, just starting to get more competitive again, and uh, just owning the pace a little better, getting a little bit more dialed in, and he's getting getting back behind the wheel and
1: getting the feel again, getting the confidence. Uh, some good speed car racing too, Craig. Yeah, I know that he's he's not only had the battle to get himself fit and ready to race again, he's had a battle to get his licence again too, and that's yeah, uh, been quite a trial. Uh, we do have a national title, another national title I should say, on the line this weekend at Borderline in South Australia. It's the Speedway Sedans Australian National Super Sedan title. So that's going on Friday, Saturday and Sunday. And then over in Murray Bridge... There is the sixty for sixty, Dennis.
2: Yeah. Now this this event has caught a lot of attention. Uh, sixty for sixty, celebrating sixty years of Murray Bridge Speedway and the major categories, wingless sprints and and four ten sprint cars, uh, doing sixty lap main events. Uh, sixty for sixty, very very good prize money, and Formula Five Hundreds also included in this. Uh, it'll be a tremendous uh, March 6th, March 7th, and March 8th. Wingless sprint cars, of course, night one, dominate, and also sprint cars, 410 sprint cars, and uh, wingless sprints. Uh, their 60-lap final will be on the Saturday night, March 7th. March eight. sprint cars for their second night and the 60-lap final. And also the Formula 500 will be going around as well in in their main event. And, um, I know, as I said, there's very, very, very good prize money. Now, I'm reliably informed and, uh, before we went to air, I didn't have time to actually, uh, check this out. But from what I understand, and I'm pretty sure it is correct, um, Alex Bryce, the American star fresh from his runner-up finish in the Australian Speed Car Championship at Warrnambool will be driving a wingless sprint car at Murray Bridge and, um, uh, I believe, for Brett Island, He will be driving his sprint car. So um, that's something to uh, look forward to. Uh, Alex is a, a very competitive driver. And, of course, in America, um, Craig is one of the best around with the Power Eye and ARDC, uh, a very, very competitive midget driver over
1: the last, few well, quite a few years now, for that matter. It is going to be interesting to see how that one also pans out. Well... If we go back into the uh, annals of speedway history, Jeff Freeman, there wasn't too many names bigger, and uh, it's once again coming around to that uh, well unfortunate time, Dennis. But this year on Friday, this morning, Friday morning, there is going to be a tribute to the late great Jeff Freeman.
2: Yes, a very very unique uh, tribute it will be too. Thanks to the Wallara Municipal Council, um, who are. Installing a plaque in the footpath outside the residential address uh, where Jeff lived with his mother, Mayfrey, in Glenmore Road, Pennington. Now, this is a great initiative by the Wallara Council and lead of people, and also an enthusiast by the name of Ron Gould, who got the whole thing going about 18 months ago and contacted me and said, Well, what do you think we should do about this? The whole thing went from there. Um, it'll be on this morning at 11 o'clock to 12 noon. And um, I know a lot of people are, will be in attendance. So it's not forward really to. Honouring a man who was, as you said, one of the all-time greats of Australian speed car racing and the unique current of this class, it is 65 years to the day. Would you believe that he won the 1965 Australian Three drop three, just down the road. How about that?
1: Yep, some great memories for many speedway fans, and if you can get to it, well, please enjoy the day with a, a, a lot of opportunities to reminisce on the uh, good old days, as they like to call them, Dennis.
2: Oh, definitely, and, and uh, of course, get. Uh, will always be remembered, and, and a very sad day in Australian Speedway history. Only a few months after that great win in the Australian weekend, Grand Prix, the fatal day at Whitney Speedway, May 9, 1965 and uh, a little bit of the colour, the charisma, the colour, the excitement—you name it—what was Speedway also died with death on that terrible afternoon.
1: As I mentioned at the top of the show, James McFadden joins us on next week's Inside Speedway. Dennis, it's a pleasure to catch up with you again here on the show. Yep, yeah, thanks very much, Craig. Just quickly, before I go, uh, before we wrap up the show, um,
2: Rowan Pungay, uh will be riding for Peterborough uh, in, in the British League this season. He's only just uh, recently been uh, included into the starting lineup for 2020, so we wish you lots of luck. He's also riding the upcoming Peter Craven Memorial uh, meeting at the Bellevue Speedway. So Rowan Tungate a big season coming up in uh, in British League.
1: Yeah, had a very good uh, Australian Speedway Championship too this year. Was there or thereabouts uh, right throughout each of the rounds. Certainly
2: did. did. Mm -hmm.
1: Well Dennis, always a pleasure to speak to you and uh, be doing it all again next
0: week. Tune in next week for Driver's Week on Inside Speedway. Inside Speedway is produced by Thunder Media. Any reproduction, accounts, or descriptions of the program without written permission from Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Inside Speedway is brought to you by P1 Australia and by Speedway Classics Magazine. On sale now.